जस्ट अ स्मॉल एडवाइस बिफोर आई स्टार्ट दिस पॉडकास्ट आई नो सुनने वाले दो या तीन लोग ही हैं बट स्टिल इन द पास्ट वीक ऑफकोर्स आई हैव टू गो आउट फॉर सम वर्क एंड इन केस यू हैव अ पावर बैंक डोंट बी एन इडियट एंड डोंट कैरी योर चार्जर जस्ट बिकॉज यू हैव योर पावर बैंक चांसेज आर हाई दैट योर पावर बैंक माइट नॉट बी फुल्ली चार्ज इन माई केस आई फॉगॉट द पावर बैंक एंड द चार्जर फनी आई एम वॉचिंग द मेंटलिस्ट बाई द वे पैट्रिक जैन डैम रियली गुड सीरीज लाइक फॉर द फर्स्ट सीजन फॉर द मैक्स आई हैव सीन दैट मच एनी वेज लेट्स गेट स्टार्ट beautiful listener this is manuel gearheads welcome back i am shailesh kotian aka carsonova and now that we have done with the introduction in a more proper and ghisa pita way let's get started let's get into it of course you know the drill now i mean if you are a regular listener of this podcast we are going to talk about some current affairs mind you mostly it's two particular motorcycles from two particularly big brands what is it well the only way to know is to start it off right away current affairs main aage ka bolunga bhi nahi ye to latest news hai so as of this month uh, ducati has launched their monster the 2021 monster Now before I get into the specs you know tell you what it costs how it performs everything let me tell you every car manufacturer motorcycle manufacturer goes through this rough patch or a tough time where simply their cars aren't selling anymore i mean just look at it every company has their entry level segment the car or the bike which kind of gives you the idea of how crazy that car company can get if you if you give them the right amount of money uh for example the lamborghini gallardo one of the highest recorded sales ever the lamborghini urus which has nearly crossed made cross the 300 mark in a lamborghini abu dhabi in terms of sales like in within 2 years or 3 years of its launch it has crossed the 300 mark already same goes for india by the way so ferrari has the portofino the front engine car front mid engine yeah so you get the idea every big car company has that entry level simplistic yet powerful car or a bike and same goes for ducati Ducati was going through a very tough time tough time back in the early 1990s you know so Ducati Monster was launched in 1993 and as of now nearly 3.5 lakhs have been units have been sold why so simple a lot of Ducati bikes were racing bikes fully fed motorcycles with high revving engines nearly four cylinders or three cylinder you know two cylinders maybe and the monster was essentially essentially a motorcycle which 
simply took all those parts without the fairing the chassis you know taking the chassis the engine and presenting the people the customers with a bike which was much more manageable one and had a lot of simplistic handling capabilities it was not that sure footed or you know a dedicated riding stance for those of you who don't know a lot about riding stance basically it's a rider triangle your hands uh, your mid section of your body and your legs now if your legs are really closer in terms of the foot positions and your handlebar is really close to the tank that means probably you are sitting on a super sports bike which is the ducati panigale v4s v4r i mean do i have to really go on now the ducati monster is i like to call it the hooligans dream because it's a simple looking motorcycle with a great engine in terms a lot of engines uh, the a21 is there the 1100 is there and just so freaking powerful and great in all terms this was kind of my love for ducati monster because i am a really big monster fan now the big change is of course in the 2021 ducati monster we have a new complete completely new aluminum block frame chassis now why is it such a big change because of course ducati monster was always known by their trellis frame type thing you know type of chassis what type of thing nonsense <laughs> so the chassis as a matter of fact is very important the trellis frame which was seen in the earlier models dating back 30 years back nearly in the 1993 models also the trellis frame is essentially a kind of a skeleton frame it surrounds the engine like a rib cage and it ends near the seat and from there on you have an additional bolt on for the rear foot footrest the silencer mount and the of course the rear seat because if you are buying a monster chances are you have a family at least because the panigale won't give you that kind of you know flexibility <laughs> so the ducati monster of course now has ditched that trellis frame the iconic trellis frame i was a big fan of that and now it comes with aluminum block chassis just like the panigale so what does that mean overall the weight savings are up to 18 kilos and just like humans cars and bikes have a thing in common if you lose some weight you get faster obviously <laughs> and in a lot of senses if you know what i mean um now coming back the panigale has a really intuitive and very smart tft display which can be used via the which can be you know controlled by a set of buttons on the handlebars same comes on the monster 14 liters of tank which has been decreased since the earlier uh, models just so that this is more dedicated towards racing now a 188 kilograms of curb weight that brings it just saying that brings it to one of my favorite bikes in the 800 to 900 cc segment the street triple rs from triumph why so 
because that's exactly around the same 180 kilogram of weight for particular reasons the indicators are now the front indicators to be precise are now uh, placed on the chassis itself so they are not dangling on the handlebar you know near the handlebars or the uh, four gators front four gators for what we know this is going to rival a lot of motorcycles essentially the Z900 Kawasaki's big boy in the naked motorcycles yes monster is a naked motorcycles for those of you who don't know naked basically meaning you know you can see the engine that's it and a fully fed motorcycles is basically more aerodynamically efficient like the panigale panigale god okay it's a god but monster is not that far behind a 937 l twin engine that means twin cylinders in a l shaped position what does that give you in terms of exhaust note before you hit the 2000 rpm it kind of gives you a crackling kind of sound and when you, when you pass that 2000 rpm range and you are revving the nuts out of it it's going to produce a really great sound the same goes for the diavel that ducati diavel is a cruiser power cruiser type of motorcycle and it has the same exhaust note literally the same of course the power is around 111 hp for the monster and 93 newton meters of torque the electronics which kind of ducati loves to give you in bulk like if there's a small bike they will add a bucket load of electronics on it eight levels eight freaking levels of traction control that means you can either keep it on the highest setting and not let your bike skid even a little bit or i think you are a god level rider because who will ride it and the least setting cornering abs that means when you are cornering hard you are leaning and if you press the brakes chances are you will not slide uh, if you have regular abs which is a great thing of course you won't be able to lean that much you know given to it wheel control obviously you have to keep it off uh, launch control you have to keep it on and a bidirectional quick shifter a lot of people don't understand the idea of quick shifter but it's in simple terms a bike has a clutch and the brake is placed on your right hand and your right leg the clutch is on the left hand and the gear changing is done by your left leg in most motorcycles some are there some are there which have you know changed the whole setup now a quick shifter is basically you have to in normal motorcycle you have to press the clutch change the gear that's the whole thing but in a bidirectional quick shifter or a quick shifter you can change the gear from 1 to 2 without even changing you know pressing the clutch that's of course when you are revving the engine a bidirectional quick shifter means that the car the bike will essentially not just upshift that means go from 1 to 2 to 2 to 3 it will go down to and in that process in that process it is going to rev the engine a little bit so that the gears fit in properly which is called uh, rev matching downshifting in a really nerd terms why am i talking a lot because of course we should know <laughs> now for the price bahut jyada paisa bhari of course it's still 
less compared to the Triumph Street Triple RS, which is a league of its own. The prices starts for ten point nine start at ten point nine nine lakhs for the monster and eleven point twenty four, eleven point two four, lakhs for the monster plus. The monster plus gets a tank cowl. Oh, sorry, tank cowl. Nahi. The rear seat cowl and a small windscreen. Apart from that, there is nothing much. My uh, advice to all the people, if they are listening to this podcast, if you are buying, trying, planning to buy this, change the exhaust. Put Austin Racing or something like that. It will sound majestic, majestic. That's it. Of course, if we talked about the rivals, the Z nine hundred, the Street Triple R is, but there is the BMW F nine hundred R two, the kind of a, a level lower than the S one thousand R, which is like the crazy motorcycle, uh, street naked motorcycle. Now the big daddy or the big sister, big bigger sibling of the monster is essentially the Street Fighter, the hyper naked motorcycle from Ducati. But trust me on this one. You don't need so much of power. You don't need two hundred and sixty or something horsepowers on a naked motorcycle. What you need is a simple low weight, high you know around the hundred horsepower category motorcycle, which you can rev, which you can use in your day to day, and can rip it out on the highways or streets. You know, in the ghat section, of course. and the monster sits in there perfectly and that's why it sells so much its price its performance is justifiable unlike the you know hardcore motorcycles that ducati is producing right now i have to talk about this you know the crazy performance numbers being created a lot of it maybe in the coming podcast well of course it's the 10th podcast next week so we are going to talk a little surprise unlike the usual podcast i do now coming back we have another beautiful discovery so kawasaki a brand a japanese brand motorcycling brand which is wonderful in a lot of terms the best thing about them is their research their thirst for creating something new back in the early 1900s they created a four cylinder 250 cc motorcycle Two fifty cc motorcycle essentially can be created with a single block. Also, take for example the Ducati two. Sorry, the Duke two fifty single cylinder two fifty cc motorcycle. Wonderful, can rev up to ten thousand or no RPMs, red lines at that. But why create that? A two hundred and fifty cc motorcycle, which has Four engine blocks, four pistons. My bad. Why? Simple, so that you can rev up to twenty five thousand RPMs. Now I don't know the engineering base behind it, but if the more the merrier. That's the case. The more the RPM, the better will be the shifts. The better will be the acceleration, and that's exactly why Kawasaki bought it again. Like brought this whole idea of two fifty cc four cylinder motorcycles. Same goes with the H two H series, the Kawasaki ZH two, the Kawasaki H two, the Kawasaki H two R, Falana Dingna. What do they have? A four cylinder motorcycle, which has a supercharger. 
a freaking supercharger in that a supercharger essentially i have talked a lot about this but it kind of sucks in more air and it uses the engine's power a little bit a little bit of engine's power to rotate so that it can suck in that air now they have placed it cleverly on the left or the right i guess on the left side of the motorcycle just around where your knee will rest on the bike what does it do create crazy numbers on the performance side and is just wonderful to listen also it has a small wine to it it's wonderful and now kawasaki is back with another research which is going to go in the development in the next few years essentially kawasaki is bringing in the hybrid system to their bikes so that means chances are that there will be a four cylinder or maybe you know a normal two cylinder bike most it will be four which will have a hybrid system attached to it a hybrid system you know what has a hybrid system in terms of sports cars the mclaren p1 the la ferrari shit we are going in crazy times now i'm telling you of course the porsche 918 which many people kind of ignore but it's one of the most wonderful wonderful supercars hypercars to be precise <laughs> now this is going to be fun and we are going to talk about it we are surely going to talk about it a lot but for now they have like launched an idea with a chassis engine and the hybrid setup not much is talked about the power it's going to produce but of course it's going to be great because now that hybrid is involved in it the hybrid system it is going to be really great for the inertial torque torque for the bike and with this we end our beautiful kind of long it nearly lasted 15 minutes it can be a podcast itself but a really beautiful latest news and now we move on to the next segment the main segment of this podcast enzo ferrari and how he changed how he freaking changed the whole game in automotive industry man i mean he won't be the biggest guy in it but he sure has a big part in it so let's get started with that enzo ferrari uh the maker of ferrari automotives the founder of ferrari automotives he was a very strange man in a lot of ways strange reason because a lot of haters are there who kind of hated the fact that he was so egotistical you know he had a lot of ego and everything but there are a lot of podcast about his history how he became what he is today matlab before his death of course but <laughs> there is so much regarding this man that if i start talking like into if i get into the details this podcast will definitely go like longer it will get longer maybe more than the hour mark now i am getting a lot of confusion in terms of how should i start so let's start with the basic you know his birth he was born in modena italy and the year was 1898 of course his birthday is kind of uh, confused a lot has made a lot of people 
go in the confusion because some state that it's 20th February 1898 essentially Enzo Ferrari himself stated that it was 18 February two days before now if you speak about the climate thing uh, there was a snowstorm in Italy at that same time in the year 1898 and that kind of might have stopped the whole procedure of him being you know fixed of you know whatever the birthday and on his certificate or something communication errors or all of that stuff but no one knows now ferrari and so ferrari was born into a family which kind of was into cars they had two cars and enzo ferrari's father alfredo ferrari owned a garage garage and he kind of used to know do all of the stuff help others and so we can see that he was ingrained with all of this knowledge and love essentially the love for cars and that itself is a great starting for someone who is in their early years you know just like me okay i'm not comparing myself to enzo ferrari he's a legend i'm not even his matlab uske joote ka dhool bhi nahi hu main wo is level ka great aadmi hai he's just a great man i'm just saying that you know when you start your early in your love for cars you kind of grow into it to a point that you understand that there are something good there are some good things there are some bad things and i guess he had the same vision for ferrari a lot of his famous sayings included there is no replacement for displacement what does that mean an engine should be naturally aspirated fuck the turbochargers fuck the superchargers whatever it is it doesn't matter displacement or the cc the engine packs is enough for a car to go fast a big reason why a lot of his cars were naturally aspirated v8s and everything you know and with that so all of it, this was happening before the world war 1 era and he had a brother dino ferrari and it kind of is tragic to know that when world war 1 started all of italy had to go and as a united clan because people came together they gave their cars as a mode of transportation for soldiers and you know ambulances everything ferrari's family was no different they used their cars as a sort of ambulance ferrari enzo ferrari was no very small he was like 16 something when he so he could not be enlisted as a soldier so he what he did was he became the instructor for the soldiers on how to use these cars and you no know, machinery everything unfortunately his father and alfredo and dino kind of died in the same time uh, gap uh, or in that year when world war 1 was going on both of them suffered and died due to pneumonia of course dino was a war veteran and he died on the field which was a kind of similar case similar fate for a lot of people which is really sad because now he had no you know father figure or a brother to look up to to understand to get inspired by or to find guidance so he took what was the greatest and the closest thing to him 
which was of course the love for racing the love for cars now i'm not going to get much into his early years that is for a different podcast itself so let's start with scuderia ferrari which in italy italian means essentially means a stable a stable packs in a horse and what is ferrari a prancing horse so scuderia ferrari was the stable or the racing division of ferrari automotives started in early night of you know a rough night which was like a par going a party going on on 16 november 1929 when ferrari kind of convinced a lot of big businessmen to invest their money invest in their money invest their money in his racing division so he'll use a lot of alfa romeo cars which were big which was a big automotive company and he used a lot of his cars for racing at its peak scuderia ferrari had almost 40 drivers in its clan now why so many drivers well back in the 1900s it racing was completely different dirt roads no safety systems the only thing they the drivers ever took with them in their cars or was a helmet i guess their shirt which was not fireproof at all it was like a leather jacket more of which could provide a little to no protection maybe if you fell down somewhere you would be saved from the scratches but if you are in a burning car uh take good care my friend my best wishes with you now scuderia ferrari as of nearly their first ever proper f1 car uh, entry was the monaco grand prix grand prix now a total of how many races scuderia ferrari has won is 237 their podium finishes are nearly 772 since their start in f1 pole positions which means that the com- the cars or the drivers will start from the very front of the race which gives them a terrific advantage over everyone so they had nearly 230 pole positions in a lot of races over the course of what i guess 100 years something even i don't know how much how, since how long they are I have to sit down and count literally now enzo made a lot of cars with alfa romeo even engineered a lot of them uh, and for what it's worth he nearly gave up the clan or something you know the bond alfa romeo and he shared in the late 1930s somewhere when alfa romeo changed its division racing division and uh, gave every management to enzo ferrari but instead of scuderia ferrari they changed it to alfa corsa which was of course a racing division for alfa romeo but he did not agree to a lot of management things and everything and it, it just it kind of broke off once again enzo ferrari's way of speaking helped him because he landed a lot of investors and he did win himself a lot of cars you know uh, races of course he left racing the moment his first born uh child you know first child was born that's dino he named him after his brother i suppose well i can keep talking about all the statistics and everything but what makes enzo ferrari so great was 
the way he always thought that racing is going to get ferrari on the top and that's why it's one of the most uh you know respected car brands around the world a lot of ferraris which were built under the guidance of mr enzo ferrari have been sold for uh, nearly 40 to 50 million dollars which is a lot considering the fact that the most expensive car you can get today is the bugatti uh what was the name i guess cento dienci or maybe something which was law law which were in a way something something which is for 9 million dollars blame me i mean it's a french car and it has such a wonderful name that i can't speak about it but it comes for approximately 9 or 10 million dollars cristiano ronaldo owns it one of them and now we have nearly a lot of ferraris staying which are so valuable because they were under the direct influence of enzo ferrari of course we can't give up the fact that enzo ferrari was a big driving force for the creation of lamborghini lamborghini automotive started and you can refer my first episode as to how it all happened enzo ferrari just said blah 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 ferrari lamborghini you can't make a car wait i am speaking in russian accent anyways <laughs> so yeah this was it episode 1 you can refer it for knowing how lamborghini started its own wonderful story in its own self but here's the thing enzo ferrari did have a lot of power in because he used to simply state that when you buy a ferrari car you don't pay for anything else basically you pay for the engine rest all is free and that exactly is the case because a lot of his car cars have naturally aspirated engines wonderful chassis and just great handling dynamics my respect for him has always grown the more i talk about him the more i understand the more i learn about him i have to definitely read a book written by luca del monte it's a thousand page autobiography uh, of the legend enzo ferrari power politics too much too much of it now i can talk and maybe after this podcast a lot of ideas will come in my mind as to what i can talk about so for now we are going to end it here he is a wonderful gentleman you know a great guy who built a series of wonderful cars and because of him the company survived a lot of things so with that said we are definitely going to come back on this enzo ferrari i guess it will be continue not in the upcoming episodes maybe later on so this is it guys the end of our podcast and this podcast particular podcast you can follow me on instagram carson uh, the page name is at carsonova1 underscore 2 underscore 3 you can follow me on spotify google podcast apple podcast and i know i'm kind of being lazy about it but i have to launch this podcast on amazon music also why so well because i am i am a big user of amazon music just as i am of spotify and uh, and nothing else well 
keep be happy stay safe and of course dasera like just happened a day or two ago yeah it happened ended on friday yeah so it means that the good always triumphs over evil so hope that even you the listener has found the evil in them and destroyed it take care stay safe keep raving this is carsonova shailesh kotian signing off manuel curates take care bye bye